0: All righty, so who needs a Bible? Raise your hand. We're bringing them from the back. We want you to look up Matthew chapter 7. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. We're finishing it up today, but if you need one, just raise your hand. They'll bring one right to you. And look up uh, Matthew 7, and then let's get started together. All right. Somebody famous said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Take it. All right. You know, that, uh, that famous quote is credited to Yogi Berra, the legendary baseball player and uh, manager and coach. But... It also has been found in a newspaper from 1913, which was about 12 years before he was even born. So, you know, when he was asked about it, Yogi indicated that he had said this, but he wasn't talking about silverware. <laughs> to get to his house, you'd come to a spot in the road where you could either turn to the right or turn to the left, and it was a circle. It wouldn't matter which way you went. You would end up with it at his house on the other side of the circle. And uh, so either road you took would take you to his house. Both roads would take you there. Well, some people think that you can get to heaven the same kind of way, that all roads lead to heaven if you're just spiritual, if you're just religious, that it will bring you to God. I mean, live and let live. My family went to church. My father, grandfather was a minister. My mom went, was there every week. I went some of the time. I mean, it doesn't matter what religion you are. They all end up the same place, right? Well, Jesus could not disagree with that more. I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. He's been preaching this Sermon on the Mount, and his main point was found in Matthew 6, verse 33, which says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So how do we respond to Jesus' instruction and offer of the kingdom? Jesus concluded the Sermon on the Mount emphatically pointing out there are two ways to live, there are two paths to travel, and they take you to very different places. And Just in case you miss it, Jesus zips off two or three examples where you only have two choices, and you can only pick one. Now, we always like to find, well, I'm the kind of third choice. I'm not really that one, but I'm certainly not that one. But I'm... Nope, Jesus says there are only two. There's a narrow gate or there's a wide gate. There's good fruit or there's bad fruit. There's rock-solid foundation that will survive the storm or a quick and easy sand foundation that will be sure to succumb when adversity happens, which it's going to happen. And there are only two ways to live, and only one leads to eternal life, and that is to say yes to Jesus and follow him with your whole life. Now, you can listen to the rest of the message, but if you've never done that, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, then now is a great moment just to quietly, right where you're sitting, just to pray to say, Lord Jesus, I need you as my Savior. I need to have my sin forgiven. I need to get right with God. And to quietly pray right where you are, just say, God, come into my life and be my Savior, be the the Lord of my life, and he will come in. That's how you get it started, by inviting him in. So do it now. Just quietly pray where you are. Look what he says, verse 13, Matthew 7, 13. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. He says there's a narrow gate, and you have to search for it. You have to pursue it. You have to really look. But when you find it, you'll find life. And then there's a wide gate, and it's very popular, and it's attractive, and it's easy to find. In fact, you don't have to worry about finding it. It will find you. And everybody seems to want to go that way. It's very popular, but it's the way of destruction. It leads to death. Pastor Micah introduced this last week, this thought of the two gates, and uh, uh, if you missed it, you could Google South Shores Church and come up with, uh, actually, you look it around, you'd find a lot of our previous sermons on there. But one of the things he talked about is wearing a name tag to show people that, hey, I care about you, so I'm sharing my name. So I put one on, and I'm hoping that you do the same every week, just make it a habit of putting one on, because that way I'm sure to know your name if you, you, know, if you give me a chance. And... Um, We can get to know each other's names. But Jesus here is talking. There's two ways to get started, two gates that lead to two different paths or two different roads. Do all roads lead to heaven? No. Cindy and I lived in Massachusetts right after I got out of school, and we worked at a large camp. Now, this was back in the dark ages before GPS before Garmin, back when you used a map and directions. And every Sunday, we would leave the camp and go driving somewhere in the state of Massachusetts to a different First Baptist Church to talk to people there about the ministry of the camp and to recruit people to come to camp and to appreciate those who had supported the, the, the camp. And so every week, we're driving somewhere where we've never been before. And uh, Massachusetts isn't that big. Uh, it's about two hours from anything if you live in the middle of it. And uh, so every week was a hunt and, ex- and seek experience. And people would call the, uh, the camp and give us directions, uh, you know, before we left. But since they'd all lived there since the 1600s, their directions were sometimes worse than useless. Okay, now you go down the center lane, there's two, and uh, till you pass the, go past the place where the barn burned down, that was 50 years before, and then you turn, and they don't tell you to turn left or right, and then you go past a little white fence with the weed hanging over it, and then you turn, and then the church is right there. You can't miss it. And I think, wanna bet? <laughs> so usually we would just get a good start, and we would take a map, and we would go to the center of town, because, you know, in Massachusetts, well, it's kind of old, mold, and cold. And, um, you know, they've been there a long time, and so the church is usually right near the center of town. And so we would start go to the center of town and then work our way out, and we would usually find the church. And when you get to the church, inevitably, within the first two minutes, somebody would be saying, well, how are the directions? <laughs> well, you want to be nice, so we would just lie our faces off right in church and say, oh, they were perfect. Look, we got here. So do all roads in Massachusetts, lead to the First Baptist Church of Nowhere, Massachusetts? No, they don't. A lot of them take you way off track, and you'll never find it. And all roads don't lead to heaven either. So Jesus has gotten here into the guts of the message of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking to his fully devoted followers. And if you actually read this part seriously, you realize, I couldn't possibly do all that stuff. Not in my own strength, not in my own power, which is true, because you can't become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ without the power of God's Spirit coming into your heart and into your life and guiding you and directing you. You just do not think spiritually when you're a natural man or a natural woman. And Jesus says there's two ways to go. There's a fork in the road. And the two ways do not go to the same place, and they do not end with the same result, and you're going to choose one or the other either intentionally or by default. He says there's two gates, and they head to different destinations. And there's two trees, and they bear different kinds of fruit, and they receive two different results. And there's two people arriving before God on judgment day, and one is just a talker, and the other is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And they have uh, different uh, outcomes, and you have two foundations, and only one will survive. And you have two different destinies two different eternal rewards. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those are few who find it. Jesus has been giving in directions of how to find life that's really life. It's not a riddle. He's trying to make it as plain and as clear as possible so that people can find the treasure. Now, Many of you know I went as a kid, a missionary kid in Nigeria. We went to a boarding school, and this was back before electronic games. In fact, at the school, half the time, it was before electricity, okay? It just didn't seem to work uh, all of the time. And uh, so there, I mean, there was, no, there was nowhere to spend any money. There were no bicycles. There were not a lot of things that kids have. But somebody decided one day, we should put together a treasure hunt and they said it's gonna be candy, which was just about as motivational as anything, and they uh, a whole bunch of it, and they put out all, a list of clues of here's how you can find it, ready, set, go. Well, I read their clues over, and it was like they were in an unknown dialect, and I couldn't make any sense of them, so I just searched randomly, and this might not surprise you, I didn't find the treasure, and I didn't win. Now, just suppose Aunt Esther or one of the other creators of the treasure hunt game had taken me by the hand and said, come on, let me help you. I am walking right to where the treasure is right now. Uh, uh, just walk with me and you'll find it. If I had walked with her, I would have found the treasure. It didn't happen because Aunt Esther was only my imaginary friend. And we, uh, we didn't ever have that conversation and I didn't find the treasure See, Jesus here is giving his followers clues that are easy to understand. You're going to be on the path of life, true life. And when you come to a set of gates, one that's wide and easy and open, and you can find it without looking, but it goes to destruction. Don't go there. And then there's this other little narrow gate and you have to squeeze through it and you can't bring everything with you. You're going to have to let go of some of the things that you really treasure if you want to get in the gate and in the way of true life. and it will cost you, and it's inconvenient and it's uphill, looking to the sun. But it's the Jesus path, the life that's truly life. Are you on the Jesus path today? or are you headed some other direction? You won't find the Jesus path without Jesus. I mean, the only way to get on the Jesus path is for the Spirit of God Himself to guide you and for you to follow His lead. The narrow gate is not easy to find. You have to search for it, and you need God's Spirit for help. The broad gate is noticed by everybody. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's going that way, or so it seems. But it leads to destruction. Destruction. Do you know, in John 15, Jesus said, I am the door. People come in and out through me, and they find life. And he's inviting us both to make an evangelical decision that's at the gate to say, yes, I want to come into new life. And I've invited you to that. And also an ethical endurance of walking the path. Walking the way, and I'm encouraging those of you who have said yes to inviting Jesus into your life, to walk the Jesus way the rest of your life. It's a difficult choice. It's not one a lot of people make. It's what it takes to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, and it's where you find the treasure. Then to give a different example, Jesus said, beware of false prophets, verse 15, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No, of course not. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus is trying to make this picture as simple and clear as possible. You know, you don't have to listen to every telemarketer or every salesman or every preacher. He's saying, in fact, beware, because some of them are looking, trying to look like a sheep when they're actually a wolf. They appear harmless, but the reality is different because a ravenous wolf is an animal that has insatiable Appetite. And the prophet is somebody who's supposed to speak for the Lord to say, thus says the Lord, and bring a word from God. So how do you know? Well, look at their life. What does it produce? Jesus said, live a life that bears fruit. Are you a healthy tree that's bearing spiritual fruit? or are you an unhealthy tree that bears bad fruit or no fruit at all because good fruit comes from good trees and bad fruit comes from bad trees and you look at the lives of the people trying to influence you are they fruitful are they the kind who are producing a fruit that uh, uh, bears fruit for righteousness i mean look at your own life are you fruitful for god's kingdom I think of Lynn Dobasey, and uh, I mean using the Bible as an instruction book for students and teachers all over the world. I mean it's brilliant, getting teachers and getting students into God's Word just to learn to read. Do you think that any fruit will grow from it? Well, God's Word says His Word is is like seed; it's going to be planted. Yes, it's going to grow. God promises in His Word. This is in Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven. And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So my word that, uh, that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I'm wanting you to go on one of these teams and to help. You don't even have to be a teacher. You just have to be willing. They'll train you to go and to use God's Word as a tool that says, here's how you educate your students. Here's how you teach them to read and you use the Scriptures. That's amazing. Or you think of Deepak and Anuja who are planting churches in India and Nepal. Do you know that they have planted over 7,600 house churches? just, I mean, it is absolutely amazing where you get 10 or 12 people together in a house, you're not trying to build a building, you're not hiring a pastor, you're training somebody in the group who's going to do it, you read God's word and you just say, how do we follow this in obedience? And you're getting people into God's word. In Jeremiah 23, it says, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, which would go through and just purify anything that is not permanent and, and uh, or like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. There is to take a stone, a heart of stone and to crush it and crush it and turn it into dust, turn it into soil, somewhere where God can plant a tree that will bear a harvest. Do you think God is preparing the soil that, so there will be a fruitful harvest? Well, yes. So I'm wanting people to go to Nepal and in India to help plant churches, to encourage the believers there, to give generously so that the gospel can be translated into the many languages that are still left in that land so that people can know. Do you know it's illegal to become a Christian there today? You could go to jail just because you'd love Jesus and be baptized. But God is preparing the soil for there to be a spiritual harvest. Look what Jesus says next. Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is the first place in Matthew where Jesus refers to God as my Father. It's talking about relationship relationship. He says, on that day, many will say to me, that day being judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to you, to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I mean, oh my goodness, look at the claims these people are are boasting. They say, we prophesied. They can't forecast the future. We cast out demons. We did miracles. You and I wouldn't be able to do any of those three things. And Jesus doesn't say to him, No, you didn't do that. He just says, I don't know you. You were using my name, these things were happening. I mean, Lord, Lord, I mean, we use titles or names as terms of endearment to draw people cl- close to us. The, the street people in Nigeria where I grew up would be, sit there begging for money. They would say, my friend, my friend, dash me money, beg chop. My friend, my friend, dash me money, beg chop. chop. My friend, my friend, give me some money so I can buy food. That's what they were, were saying. And... They're saying, my friend, my friend, because they're trying to establish a relationship, a friendship. These people are saying, Lord, Lord, to Jesus, and Yahweh in the Hebrew is translated Lord. Yahweh is the word for God. It's a title of majesty. They're calling Jesus God, and they're right because Jesus is God. But they never recognized him as such in their life here in this earth. It was only when they were standing in judgment So it might be a a respectful term of address, but Jesus is talking about Judgment Day. And on that day, Jesus will be seen by everybody for who He truly is. He's God. Lawlessness is the rejection of the law of God. It's wrongdoing. It's a refusal to submit to the law of God. See, these people have smooth talk, but their lives are lawless because they haven't based it on God's Word. They haven't founded their life on Jesus Christ. So if somebody's lips say one thing and their life says something different, which one do you believe? You believe their life, right? If their their words don't match their actions, then we believe people's actions. And so does God. He doesn't believe our words if our actions don't match because he can read your mind and your motives. And the person's deeds are what is going to matter, not what they say, not how they pray. Words alone are not enough. We're Lord, Lord. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me. They were disconnected from God's law. They had not connected to Jesus. See, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He's saying, I am the root. You are the branches that grow out of that. Stay connected to the vine if you want a life that's fruitful. So these two people are going to arrive before God on Judgment Day. One is just a talker and the other is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Both will not be in heaven. So are you trying to talk the Jesus talk without knowing Jesus? Or are you hearing Jesus talk and follow his guidance? Those kind of the two choices. I'm just encouraging you to get connected to Jesus, stay connected to Jesus, listen to the words of Jesus, and obey the words of Jesus Set him as your top agenda. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and do it today. Do it forever. Do it every day. Well, two gates, two fruit trees, and then Jesus' last example, two foundations, starting verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it which by the way great singing that song what is the only thing that matters here Doing God's will, doing the right thing. It's actions. It's not just the words we toss about. The storm came to both houses. The storm is not a matter of if, it's a when. Storms are coming, and they're going to test us and to see what kind of foundation we have. Is your life built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and he's God, and he's forgiven you of your sin? Or is your life built just where it was convenient? What seems right to you? Do you know when they were in the parking lot at Dana Point, since we've left there, they dug a great big hole over 40 feet deep and they put tunnels, in. at four of them, they're 96 inches high, which is about like this. They're eight feet they're round and they're 250 feet long and there's four of them next to each other and they're all connected at the end so that they could hold the water from the biggest storm of the next 100 years all at the same time. All the water that comes down on the parking lot would all end up in that, it's like a huge bathtub underground to hold all the water and then to meter it out at a certain rate. And you know when they were digging that, they they did it on a dry day. There wasn't any water. think, why are we putting this in? It wasn't for that day. It was for the storm that's coming. Now that holding tank is in place, and any future storm, all the water will collect there. We also spent millions of dollars uh, on our foundation I've tried to explain to people now that we go there because it's all buried, but say, you see where that line of sandbags is? There's a wall underneath it that's two feet wide and 24 feet high and 360 feet long. We've drilled through it over 250 times, 100 to 140 feet deep, uh, binding the hill together. At the bottom of that, there's 35 caissons that are three feet in diameter. They go down 45 to 75 feet. They have got this hill secured. So, if there's an earthquake, that's where you want to be. So, how do you know if you've built your life on the sand or on the rock? Because we've buried all that in. You can't see any of that. You don't know unless you know. Well, Jesus is that foundation stone that is secure. You can know with Him. And He says there's only two choices, there's only two foundations. There's the foundation stone of Jesus Christ, and then there's the shifting sand. So what have you done with Jesus? Because there's only two choices. Have you heard his word and failed to launch, or have you heard his word and followed the Lord? I hope it's the second one. And if not, do it today you know, Pastor Derek has been here on staff more than a dozen years, and so last year we were talking, and I said, Derek, you know, after that many years, a lot of pastors will take a sabbatical, and we talked about, you know, it's about three months long. You take some of it to rest, some of it to be with your family, some of it to do some study that you want to do. He goes, I know what I want to study. I said, what? He said, I want to study church planting, because I think that's right where it's at, because new people come to new churches, and they become believers, and that's what we need to be about, is church planting. I said, well, then go study it and bring us some information back. So he went. He packed up his wife and his four energetic children, and they drove thousands of miles all the way up and down the West Coast. They rested, they studied, they read, they visited churches, they interviewed pastors, and he came home. I said, what did you learn? He said, well, it's the most most amazing thing. It's really not all about church planting. I said, no. He said, no, it's about making disciples. Jesus didn't say go and plant churches. He said, go make disciples of all nations. And whether you're a brand new church or you're an established church like, you know, like South Shores, that, that we have to see people come to Jesus or we die. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to be about, making disciples. I said, you know, you're exactly right. I said, what's the best book you read? He said, well, it's a book called Gaining by Losing. It looks like this. Gaining by Losing uh, by J.D. Greer, who's a pastor in North Carolina, and his church has planted dozens of other churches. They've given away boatloads of people and money to go start a church here and start one there and start one there, and every time they do, you know what? They think, oh my goodness, we're losing so many people and so many good resources and so many great leaders, and this is an amazing thing happens. Both the new church and the established church grow and are blessed, and God's in it. I could let you read my copy, but I said, "Well, tell you what, let's get these and we'll give them all to the pastors. Have them read it. Let's have our entire staff read it. Let's ask our deacons to read it, and we'll have conversations about it. So that they get the reading done. And let's have our small group leaders read it. And let's have uh, gatherings. And we've had had some of those. And I, I'm, I would love you to get a copy and read it. You could, you know, go on to Amazon and just get it. I think it's about ten bucks. And um. It's uh, Gaining by Losing by J.D. Greer, and I was reading this book, and on page 95, here's what J.D. says. He's talking about, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, and he says, no one can say, well, since I'm not called to be a missionary, I don't have to evangelize my friends and neighbors. He goes, says, there is no difference in spiritual terms between a missionary witnessing in his hometown and a missionary, I love this, especially for today, a missionary witnessing in Kathmandu, Nepal, since that's where I was with Deepak and Anuja last October was Kathmandu, Nepal of all places, uh, how we would choose just that one. So we have two missionaries from Kathmandu, Nepal right here in the room, and we are called to go, even if it's only to the next room or the next block. And then he says, catch this, you're either a missionary or a missionary. Field, there is no third option. You're either a missionary or a mission field, there's no third option. Where did JD get that idea? from Jesus, from what we're looking at right here. Jesus says there are two gates. They don't go the same place. There are two trees. They don't grow the same fruit. There's two foundations. They aren't built the same way. You're either a missionary or you're a mission field. And what he calls a missionary is what we would call a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Are you in? I hope so. The passage goes on to say, "'Then when Jesus finished these sayings, "'the crowd was astonished at his teaching, "'for he was teaching them as one who had authority "'and not as one of their scribes.'" They were astonished that he taught with authority. He had the authority because he's God, come in human flesh. Jesus had made claims only the Messiah could make, only God could make. And strong truth demands a thoughtful and strong response. Which way? Now, I know this is kind of clunky, But if you look at it, you basically have two choices. You have a narrow gate with good fruit and a rock foundation that leads to life, or you have a wide gate with bad fruit and a sand foundation that leads to destruction. And you got to make a choice. You know, you can think about it yourself. You can say it out loud, but if you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you have to do more than just talk or just attend. That's not enough. You have to live it out day by day as an authentic, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, even if you're the only one in your family, even if you're the only one in your neighborhood, even if you're the only one in your city, to live for Jesus and to keep your eyes on Him. You know our pastor Eric, our youth pastor is doing a phenomenal job I think with young people here and gathering them together and uh, he said I want to take them to Hume Lake Camp. I thought oh my goodness, that is a big deal because Hume is one of the three large Christian camps in California and it always has the most popular speakers and it's always chuck full and when I was a youth pastor historically I called them and I said I want to bring some campers and they said not a chance, we're full this summer. I said what about next summer? They said we're full next summer. I said what about the next summer? They said We're full then, too. So, wow. Some people really know how to plan their lives, and and I can't get in. But so Pastor Eric says, I want to take some kids to Hume Lake. I said, how are you going to do that? Well, he happens to have an inn because he's such a good speaker. He is one of their camp speakers. (laughs) So he called them up, and he said, I want to bring some youth. And they said, oh, my goodness, we're packed. The only week is the very first week of the summer. He said, well, I would like 30 spaces. And they said, oh, okay, we'll do that. And he, so he signed up 30 spaces for the summer. Some of our kids aren't even out of school yet, right? And uh, yet you have given generously to help them get to go there. So thank you. Thanks for helping get young people to camp this summer. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm in the gym, and there's a teenager there. And I said to her, have you signed up to go to camp? She looked at me kind of funny, like a deer staring into the headlights, and she says, well, I don't think so. I said, oh my goodness, you have to go to Hume. It's a, one of the large camps. It's so gorgeous. There's a lake, and they have a, a, a gym, and they got a place to play basketball and volleyball, and they got all these activities. There will be phenomenal speakers, and the food is tremendous, and they have a huge blob that you can jump on and go in the water, and they have all kinds of Olympic things that I wish I could go, and you know, it's going to be phenomenal. And she looked at me, and she asked a two-word question. Who's going? I said, what? Who's going? Well, I guess that's important. She said, I don't think any of my friends are going. I said, well, gather them up and go. I mean, it is going to be so good. So when Jesus is talking about heaven, who's going? Because the Savior is going to be there. So you need to know if anybody else is going to be there. Jesus is going to be in heaven. And narrow is the gate, and the road is hard, and it's uphill. But Jesus is there. That's all that matters. And Jesus wants you there too. See, there's a fork in the road. Take it. There are only two ways to live, and only one leads to eternal life. Say yes to Jesus and follow Jesus with your whole life. Shall we pray? Jesus, you are there, and we want to be with you. We want you alive in our hearts. We want you in our thoughts. We want you guiding our decisions. We want you leading our lives. We want you as the Lord of our church. We want uh, just to wrap our lives in with you because you are so awesome. And so if there's anybody here in the room who has never heard you just knocking on the door of their heart, wouldn't they please today and just open the door and say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin." I give you myself. Thank you for giving yourself for me. And for those of us that have done that, maybe it was decades ago, but may we just take this moment to renew our commitment to say, Jesus, you are first and foremost in my life. The answer is always yes to you. What would you have for me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to be? How do you want me to live? I will change whatever necessary to be fully devoted to you because you're going to be in heaven and I know who's going and I want to take my family and friends with me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.